Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the salvation message preached on the birthday of the church, recognized by every church group internationally. And this was the response to a question asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? This was the message that brought entrance into the kingdom of God. This was God's simple plan of salvation. Today I want to focus on the teaching from this verse and many other places in the Bible the biblical teaching of water baptism in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Before you get to baptism, you have to understand that baptism is not just an outward sign of an inward grace. It is an act of obedience to God. It's not a work unto salvation. It is an act of obedience and it is not just joining a church. In fact, we baptize people here who never join our church because baptism is joining Christ, not joining a local church in terms of voting membership. It is part of joining God's church everywhere, and that makes it also local. But before baptism comes the importance of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. It involves Confessing your sins and forsaking your sins. It is your very first step toward God. And it closes the great distance that you may feel between yourself and God. When you humble yourself, when you're honest before God, when you confess and forsake your sins, then God is available to you to release the saving power and the delivering power in your life. I know we don't have to give God permission because He is sovereign, but because in this day He has chosen to respect your will, it is repentance that releases your will to His will and opens God's power into your life. See, the Bible said that all of sin and come short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible said that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. That if we confess our sins, He will forgive us our sins. And that confession and repentance involves not just being sorry. Godly sorrow works repentance. It leads to repentance. But true repentance is an about face from your way and your life and your sin to obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The beauty is that when you lose yourself to obedience to Jesus Christ, you find yourself. And as long as you hang on to your will and your way, you're going to make a miserable failure out of your life. Maybe not in time, but in eternity, your failure will show up forever and ever and ever. But when you lose your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you find who you really are, your real identity, and you find salvation. Repentance means that there's evidence John the Baptist said to bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Show that you really mean this. The Apostle Paul taught that we should repent and do uh, works that are meet for repentance or worthy. That repentance is really doing everything you can 
to reverse the track of your life and the trajectory of your life and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And it is important. As I prepared for this message, I felt the presence of the Lord come over me as I often do. I believe that study is a spiritual experience. And I thought, you know, there are people that have their life caving in around them. They feel like everything is imploding in on them. You've tried to work it out. got problems that you can't solve. And you're forging ahead, hoping that if you just try hard enough and work at it long enough, that you're going to make it happen. I've got news for you today. Give up on that plan. That's a plan for failure. Amen? The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh, the Bible said, to direct his own steps. The way of the transgressor is hard. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Stop in your tracks today and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm not going to dig a deeper hole of problems and trouble in my life. I need deliverance today. And when you repent, you should be baptized in water by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk about baptism. Why is it important? Why would I devote an entire message on a Sunday to this important teaching of the Scripture? And then how should you be baptized? Should you be sprinkled or immersed? When someone puts you under the water because we teach that, you know, what do they say over you? Does that even matter at all? I'd like to try to answer some of those questions today from the Bible because the Bible has the answers. First of all, when you say the word baptize or baptism, you're using a word that from the original language of the New Testament of the Bible, Greek, it means to dip or die, to plunge beneath, to immerse. The word itself means to go under the water. There is a word picture that comes from the practice in a place called Thyatira, where they were famous for dyeing cloth, to take a cloth and baptize it, is to put it into the dye. It goes down one color and it comes out another color. And when you go down in the baptism, in the waters of baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ, you go down an old creature and you come up a new creation. You go down a dead sinner and the Bible says you're a candidate for the Holy Spirit to walk in the newness of life. Baptism means immersion. And then in the scripture I read to you today that is so pivotal in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the apostle Peter, Jesus had given him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. All other 11 apostles were standing with him to support this message. The result is that 3,000 people are baptized in a single day. That church was launched in a massive revival. And he preached that these people were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They said, what shall we do? He told them to repent and be baptized. What I want to show you is repentance and baptism is taken together. It's not so much isolated steps that you can park on one step until you get around to the second. But he said, repent and be baptized every one of you. Repentance is a command and baptism is a command. And they were to be taken together. Now, I want to talk to you Pentecostals for a minute because some of you grew up hearing things like, if you repent, God will forgive you. And if you get baptized, your sins will be remitted. But in the original language, the Greek, there's no difference between the words forgiveness and remission. 
There's no such thing as getting forgiven and then later remitted. Your sins are either forgiven or they're not forgiven. And Peter said, if you want remission or forgiveness of sins, then you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you. Don't stop at turning to Jesus. Don't stop at accepting him as your Savior. Turn to him and then go down in the water in the name of the one who died for your sins. That's the importance of repenting and being baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 2.38 contains two commands and a promise. The command to repent and be baptized and that if you will do that, you have conditioned your heart to receive the promise of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it was the promise of the Father. This is what angels desire to look into and prophets tried to figure out. It's what every Old Testament saint anticipated, the promise that was left to all of us. And when you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, the Lord will fill you with the baptism of His Spirit. It will come to your life and it will change you forever. Amen. Every one of you. Acts 2.38. I just want you to see that phrase. It didn't say Pentecostals get baptized in Jesus' name. Or those of you who feel like you want to take that step, repent and be baptized every one of you. And it tells us how and it tells us why. I'll get to this in more detail. But in the name of Jesus Christ and for the remission of sins. Baptism, nowhere in the scripture, is a ceremony. It is joining Christ. It is for the remission of sins. It is essential to your salvation. Now, Acts 2.38, that talks about repenting and being baptized in water and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, mirrors the teaching of Jesus that goes back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There is a ruler of the Jews came to Jesus by night. He was afraid for anybody to know that he was interested in Jesus because among the religious elite, Jesus was unpopular. And later, you know, they tried to put him to death. We know that they played into the hands of God's plan from the beginning of the world. But they plotted against him to destroy him. So Nicodemus knows this is not a popular thing to do. He comes to Jesus at night and he says, you know, we know that you're a teacher from, come from God. It's kind of condescending, you know. No man can do the miracles you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus is standing there in all of his Jewish flesh, his Jewish birth. He's proud of who he is. He's a son of Abraham. And his first birth, he reasons, should get me into the kingdom of God. And Jesus just jumps right in the middle of his world and says to him in John 3, 3 on the screens, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, again, he doesn't know what's wrong with his first birth. And he asked the Lord, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He doesn't get it. You know, the Bible says that we don't, later in this same chapter, he tells Nicodemus, there's some things you don't understand because you're not seeing this with spiritual eyes. But Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born 
of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Nicodemus, you were born a Jew, and that was your fleshly birth. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And if you're going to get into my kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom, you've got to be born again. And that birth has to be a dual birth of water and of spirit. Now, Nicodemus, you talked about coming back and being born again, you know, naturally. You remember how that was. You know how it happens with every baby. They're born of water. The water breaks and the baby enters the world and the baby takes a breath. For the very first time, just like Adam was made in the image of God, a lifeless form. But God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. The word spirit is pneuma. It is wind. Jesus said the wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound thereof, you know, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. He told those very words to Nicodemus in this same chapter. So he wants Nicodemus to know that your first birth was water and spirit to get you here into the world. If you're going to get in the kingdom of God, your birth has to be water and spirit. Water baptism in the name of Jesus. Spirit baptism by the Holy Ghost. That's what gets you into the kingdom of God. These are the two elements of the new birth. And they are very powerful and they are very important. Baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins is that birth of water. Now, baptism is not just a Pentecostal doctrine or a peripheral doctrine. It's a foundational doctrine. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, the writer is telling Christians who have been there a while that it's time for them to grow up. They're kind of stuck in a protracted spiritual infancy, and he tells them that, you know, it's time for you to be teaching other people, but you're still on the spiritual bottle. So he tells them you need to grow up. But he said, you need to move past the foundation. You don't eliminate it, but you grow past it. And he tells them what is in the foundation doctrinally of the church. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation. Everybody please say the foundation. foundation. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's church has a foundation. And if you look in the foundation of your experience or relationship with God, the very first thing in that foundation is repentance from dead works. I've already talked about that. And then he says, and a faith toward God. You turn from your sins. You turn toward God. Because you've got to believe that the payment that Jesus made on the cross for your sins was sufficient, that it will save you. You turn from your sins. You have faith in God. That's a foundational doctrine of the Bible. And then the writer of Hebrews said, of the doctrine of baptisms. Plural. Because baptism is dual. It is water and spirit. It is water baptism. 
and it is spirit baptism. And he goes on to say these other foundational doctrines, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and final judgment or eternal judgment. But I want you to understand today that I'm not just harping on something because we think you ought to do it to join Atlanta West. I want you to know that in the foundation of your walk with God should be repentance from dead works, faith toward God, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is what gets you into the kingdom of God. It is foundational. Now, God doesn't just do anything like haphazard or random. The Bible tells us that the God unfolded truth line upon line and precept upon precept. And in the Old Testament, he laid this out so clearly that the only way you can miss it is if you wanted to. So I took out a large section of detailed notes and I want to just give you some kind of key ideas about these Old Testament types. Noah and the ark. The Apostle Peter says that the ark was a means of saving Noah and his family. And he said, in the same way, baptism doth also now save us. Abraham was called of God and he entered a rite of physical circumcision that every Jewish male after him that obeyed the Bible followed. It was the cutting away of the flesh. And the New Testament is very clear that water baptism is the circumcision of the heart. It cuts away the old nature of the flesh and it joins us in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Just as Abraham entered the covenant of circumcision, when we are baptized in Jesus' name, we enter a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage. And they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And they lived under a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Paul writing about this looked back and said, Don't you know that your fathers, your ancestors, were all baptized unto Moses, who was a type of a deliverer, of a savior. They were baptized unto Moses in that sea and under that cloud. How much clearer can it be that it takes water and it takes spirit to get into the kingdom of God? God wanted you to know that this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And the Lord designed his tabernacle and later the temple. There were three significant pieces of furniture there. There was a brazen altar, a brass altar. The animal was sacrificed. It is a type of repentance. And then there was a laver of water, a place of washing. And then there was a holy place and the most holy place. Blood was applied all the way through. Some people argue, where is the blood applied to your life? Well, it's applied all the way through telling you don't stop at repentance. Don't stop at baptism. Go all the way to a relationship with God inside the holy place of spirit birth. The Lord said, I will meet you there. And the Bible is very clear that if you did not go to the labor of water, that if you went to this brazen altar and you bypassed it, he said if a priest does not wash at that labor, he will die because he is not clean. What a beautiful type the Lord gave us. 
And all of those are symbols. They are, we call it typology, that lays a foundation. The Bible said they are a shadow of things to come. They are, they're like a schoolmaster leading us to Christ. They're teaching us about how God would introduce the plan of salvation to us. So it wouldn't be iffy. It wouldn't be a question mark. But it would be a clear exclamation point. Repent. Brazen altar. Be baptized, labor of water. Receive the Holy Ghost. Go on into the presence of God and be filled with the Spirit. That is God's plan of salvation. When Jesus came, there's three significant things that he did on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of this, and Paul calls it the gospel how that Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and then he rose again. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. We die to our sins and repentance. We are buried with him by baptism. We rise to walk with him in the newness of life when we are filled with his spirit. That is how we apply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ into our lives. I want you to see that this is so clear and powerful in the Bible. Now, I want to give you some scriptures to talk about the essentiality of baptism to salvation. I'll not belabor the point on any of these. They'll be on the screen. But I want you to see this is so clear. The words of Jesus in Mark 16, 16. He that, is, he that believeth, and, everybody please say, and, and, is baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In 1 Peter 3, remember Noah's ark? It was a way that eight souls were saved by water. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us. And he explains not the putting away of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We already know that baptism means immersion, but I want you to see how people were baptized in the Bible. Jesus himself was perfect and sinless. He did not need to be baptized for sins. He told John the Baptist, his cousin, that mighty prophet of God, that we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to fulfill every righteous ordinance. And the Bible said that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And in Matthew 3.16, he went up straightway out of the water. Anybody ever been under the water? You like to swim? Ever been baptized? You can't really come out of the water until you've been under the water. John 3.23, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was much water there. There was more than this much water. And I'm not being uh, cynical toward people who sprinkle. I'm teaching what the Bible says, that baptism is by immersion going under the water. Why would you want to do it any other way? There's an Ethiopian man 
was a high-ranking official. He'd come to worship God in Jerusalem. Maybe he was a proselyte, a God-fearer. He was on his way home. He had a piece of the Bible, Isaiah 53, we know now. He was reading it, and, and God sent Philip down there, an evangelist, to join himself to the chariot. And he said, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And Philip started at that place and preached Jesus to him. And somewhere along the way, Philip got around to water baptism. And they got to a place, Acts 8.36, and the eunuch said to Philip, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he said, answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. What a great confession. But can I just pause right now to say, that it is one thing to make that confession. It is another thing to obey what is implied by that confession. I know some people take this out of context. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. The Ethiopian eunuch believed with his heart. He confessed with his mouth. And Philip took him down into the water. And he baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. They both went down in the water. Philip and the eunuch. And when they came up, Philip disappeared. The Lord carried him away by the Spirit. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Baptism is by immersion. Amen. Romans 6 and 3 says that know you not. So many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried. Please say buried. We're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Now, baptism is by immersion. You got that? I believe that baptism is by immersion. Now, what do I say when I baptize someone? doesn't even matter. So I want to show you in the Bible that baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ. And once again, I'll go quickly through these verses. Luke 24, 47. He's writing about what Jesus told them, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name beginning at Jeru- among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 2, 38. You should get it by now. I've said it about five times, but it's such an important scripture. It's so clear. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the, Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 4 and 12, when Peter and John were questioned by how they performed a miracle on a lame man, they said it was in the name of Jesus that you crucified, God raised from the dead. And then he told them, Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is not optional. It is mandatory. And guess what? You don't just have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You get to be baptized in Jesus' name. After all, he died for my sins. I want to join him in his burial by baptism. Acts chapter 19 verse 5. There were these disciples of John the Baptist who had already been baptized under repentance, they then found out that they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know it was available. 
And John, excuse me, the apostle Paul asked them, how were they baptized? Had they received the spirit? Acts 19 and 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Romans 6 and 3, know you not. So many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And Paul, who might have been accused of setting up his own religion, said, I haven't baptized anybody in the name of Paul. We only know one name, amen? amen. Paul wrote it in Philippians when he said, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. And I preached about it last week. Without exception, when we have an example of someone being baptized in the church, in the New Testament, it was always in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38, we've already seen it multiple times, but if you go all the way just a few verses later, in Acts 2.41, they that gladly received the word were baptized, and that day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't that be awesome in Atlanta? to see 3,000 people take the name of Jesus Christ in their life. In a great revival in Samaria, Acts 8 and 12, they believe Philip. He preached the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, I know I'm going quickly. They had not yet received the Holy Ghost, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cornelius and his whole entire household of family and servants were baptized in the name of the Lord according to Acts 10, 48. If you're reading every other translation except the King James, like the NASB, ESV, NLT, NIV, it goes ahead and clarifies the name of the Lord, that they all knew that it was the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've already told you the disciples of John the Baptist in Acts 19 and 5 were baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted Jesus, heard a voice from heaven. He was struck with a blinding light. He said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord God Almighty that he recognized as Jehovah said, I am Jesus. Yeah, you're persecuting me. He was baptized in the name of the Lord and he baptized others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm kind of skipping through these verses all the way through 1 Corinthians to get to that. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, United Pentecostal Church, Apostolic, Oneness Pentecostal Pastor, there's an elephant in the room that you're ignoring. What about Matthew 28, 19? Now, with all due respect, some of you do not have a religious background, church background. So everything I've said makes perfect sense to you. But I'm saying this because some people have a, a preconceived idea about baptism. They have a tradition. It's the way they were baptized or the church they came from baptized. It was the way their fathers and grandfathers and family members were baptized. So what I'm saying today seems to contradict what happened to them. And, you know, what about them? Where, where do they stand with God? Well, first of all, why don't you let God take care of them? But why don't you obey the Bible and not worry about what God does with them? I believe we should preach and teach the Bible. I believe it's true. I believe it's clear. I don't believe there's any other way. But neither am I going to play God. But neither should you play God. 
and think that God's going to justify you for disobeying what you see clearly in the Bible. Now, anyway, here's the elephant in the room. Not to me, it's no big deal. These are the words of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus came and spake unto them, excuse me, verse 18. I wanted to start in verse 18. Came and spake unto them, all power is given unto me. Everybody say, who's that talking about, by the way? Jesus. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So because I have all power, I want you to go therefore. Because of that, I want you to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's how I want you to baptize them. All power is given to me. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or the age. Now, if you only knew this verse, if, if somebody opened their Bible and this was the only verse they showed you, you would say, well, that means I need to go get baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And that might lead them to, when they put you under the water, to say those titles over you. But I want to show you something very clear and simple in the Bible. That Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. There are not three separate persons of God. There is one God who's the Father of all. He's above all, through all, and in you all. Mary was told by the angel that you're going to being a son and his name shall be called Jesus, right? Isaiah prophesied about this, that he would be the almighty God come in flesh. Unto you a son is born. A child is given, a son is born. So we know the name of the son without any argument would be Jesus Christ. We don't believe in a separate person, but relationally, when God came in flesh, the man Christ Jesus, the mediator between God and man, he was a man, he was God, his name was Jesus. When Mary got ready to call Jesus and his other four half-brothers and at least two half-sisters their dinner, she didn't say, hey, son, she said Jesus. That was his name. And Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. When he spoke about the coming of the Holy Ghost, he said, whom the Father will send in my name. I'm not interested in arguing doctrine or dogma with you. I could do that and others could do it more eloquently than me. I want to just get back to what the Bible said, that Jesus did not, he was not uh, unclear because the men standing there listening to him went out and a few days later, when the day of Pentecost came and Peter preached that sermon, Matthew, who wrote these words afterward actually, stood up with the apostle Peter. He didn't call him down when he said, be baptized in Jesus' name. None of the other disciples told Peter. Called, now, there were some debate and discussions about some things in the Bible, and they're not hidden from us. But never one time did one person in the New Testament argue that Simon Peter got it wrong or Paul got it wrong or Philip got it wrong or anyone else got it wrong. They all understood that when Jesus said, go everywhere, baptize everyone in the name of the Father, that it was Jesus that had the authority. It was the name. 
Amen. I know this is a simple old argument, you know, or an idea, but if I go sign a check or a legal document, although I am a son and I am a father, I am a husband and I am a pastor, but none of those are my legal names. The authority of my name is when I sign Daryl W. Johns or Daryl Johns. That's my legal name. And if there's any authority to execute a document, it comes through the power of a name. Amen. The Apostle Paul gave us this great idea. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory. There is no discussion or debate among the biblical writers or the early church that baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ. And if all else fails, look at Romans chapter 3, 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, Know you not, so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. No one would ever believe that the Father died. No one would ever believe that the Spirit died, the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ died. And my burial, my baptism, is burial with the one who died for my sins. That's why I want to be buried by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. The Bible said in Colossians 3.17 that whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So at baptism, sins are remitted. We identify with the burial of Jesus Christ. We enter into a spiritual covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Baptism is part of the salvation process. And Paul would say in 1 Corinthians that by baptism you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you've ever been baptized another way, it would be our privilege today to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've already been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, there's no need to do it again. But if you're not sure, don't leave with a question mark in your mind. Replace it with that exclamation point. Now, how, how does this happen? Brother DJ Hill's going to help me here, and I think Sister Stephanie. You know, at Atlanta West, we believe that baptism is essential to salvation. So numbers of years ago, probably 18, 19 years ago, we bought a baptistry and an ozone filter that keeps this water clean all the time. And we paid the electric bill to run the heater 24-7, 365. We believe baptism is so important that if you want to get baptized in the middle of the week, someone will baptize you in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Amen? There may be rare occasions when we drain it and refill it, but it stays really clean. But besides a few hours like that, it stays filled. And we baptize people at all hours of the day or night, just like the Bible did. They didn't say wait three months. They took 
that Philippian jailer out in the middle of the night and baptize him in the name of Jesus Christ. A eunuch walking, going down the road. They just stopped and baptized him. We believe it is so important that you should get baptized today. So we have changing rooms and a baptistry and garments. I'm going to have Brother DJ just explain what Sister Stephanie's holding up here. and He can preach a little bit if he wants to. Come on. So we have men robes all the way from extra, extra large down to small, so any size. And being baptized in Jesus' name is not just for men, amen, it's also for the women. So we do have women's size robes from big to tall. We'll have a woman back there so you don't have to reveal your side to me or nothing like that. I don't have to know. You know, you women can handle the women. Back, We also have for kids because we believe if God fills a kid with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that God also wants them to get baptized in Jesus' name. So we have kids' robes from big to small as well. So today, you can talk to your kid, and if they can tell you that they want to get baptized and they've been filled with his spirit, then we want to baptize them as long as we get your permission today. We have these hair nets, so if you got your perm done like I did last week, that you can put it on. That you can put it on. You don't have to worry about your hair getting wet or anything. We also have hair dryers so you can walk out of here. We have clean towels that are clean. Spring blossom scent. So you can walk out of here in the same clothes that you came in here with, but you'll walk out of here a new creature. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, why wait any longer? Today is your day to be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Take this step in faith, and God is going to let you come out of the water a new creature. Well, if you believe it, let's stand and give the Lord praise for the power of the name of Jesus applied to our lives. Amen. If you know that you were baptized in water by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Would you just lift up your hand? I want everybody to see that this is something that we believe and practice around here. Why don't you wave that hand and thank the Lord that his name is over your life, that his banner of ownership and love is over your life. Go ahead and take a moment to thank God that the power of the name of Jesus Christ has been expressed in water baptism in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I felt right now? I felt the Lord Jesus Christ by His Spirit kind of sweep in here. And somebody that's been battling depression and sin, you can't dig your way out. The Lord is saying, why don't you just take a step and obey me today? I love you. I died for you. I want to save you today. Amen. Just a moment, our entire congregation is going to gather at the altar. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to just come to the very front, and our altar counselors will just guide you right over here. Every service, by the way, our church family, there's somebody on our baptistry team ready right over at this door behind the keyboard, the organ, and ready to baptize. We're always ready because Jesus is always ready. And when a person gets ready, we don't want the church to not be ready to help them enter a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you come today, all you've got to do is just mention it to someone and we'll take you to a changing room. And if you're not sure you want a scripture explained a little more, someone will be glad to do that for you today. But when we come, 
Last Sunday, I preached about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Brother Kevin Hudges sent me a cool little cartoon. I wish I'd have had it when I preached. It was a little picture, you know, of all these superheroes sitting up on a ledge. And in the middle of the superheroes is Jesus. And he said, and that is how I saved the world. Wow. Yeah, that's how I saved the world. He is my superhero. And beside him, there is no other. And if you need healing today, if you need deliverance from the habits of sin, I want you to join us. We're going to sing about the power of the name of Jesus. And I'm inviting everyone to come right now. And as you come to this altar, come first if you need baptism. I don't mean come first, but come stand right up here. Everyone, please come. You don't have to wait on anybody else. All of our congregation, amen. No one will be electrocuted when you step out, so please don't act like you're scared of coming. Talking to our members right now. If you're reluctant, and I'm a guest, I'm really reluctant. You can move on closer, and if you've never been baptized, come right to the very front. Amen. Amen. I feel the Lord here today, and I feel so thankful for what... I've known in my life about the power of Jesus' name. We're going to pray for one another for healing, that the name of Jesus would be what you need it to be in your life today. But our focus is on water baptism. Keep, keep moving up to the front. Always leave room in these aisles. Step out of the aisle. Move in or to the side and make room for someone who's just making up their mind to come. That's right. Thank you. Never been baptized in Jesus' name. Tell someone standing next to you you need healing in your body, we're going to pray for you in just a few moments. Amen. I'm giving you time to come. I want to encourage you. What I talked about today, everyone needs to hear. Your coworkers, your family members, your neighbors, they need to hear about the importance of baptism in Jesus' name. They need to have the name of Jesus called over their lives. Now, would you right now with me call the name of Jesus and invite his power and his presence into your life? Whatever you need from him right now. Jesus, I pray that you would be a healer right now. Jesus, I pray against depression right now. I pray against the feeling of hopelessness, Lord that someone is experiencing that the circumstances of their life are never going to change. They feel like they're stuck in a place that they can never get out of. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would reach to them and pull them out, oh God, of a place that they cannot get themselves out of. As they turn to you in repentance, as they open their heart to your Lordship, as they begin to celebrate and worship your power in their life, Jesus, I pray that you would do it today. Hallelujah. I give you glory and honor. Begin to lift up your hands to the Lord. Begin to worship the Lord and magnify Him.